and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Essential Property Podcast with me, Amanda Woodward, and my amazing co-host, Paul Samuda. So here we are with episode one, doing something that's completely new for us. We're brand new to podcasting. However, fortunately for you and for us, we are not brand new to property investing. And we have been approached over the last 10 years or so by investors, local investors and investors out the area to share our knowledge and our experience of investing specifically in property in Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle, Underlime and Crewe. So we decided for 2021, we would put together a podcast that would share the highs and lows, the good, the bad, and no doubt some ugly in between of investing specifically in those three investment areas of Stoke, Newcastle and Crewe. So I'm here with Paul and I thought we would both kick off with a brief introduction as to who we are for those of you that we haven't met or haven't heard from us before. And then we'll go on to a little bit about investing in those areas and what you can expect on the podcast going forward. So Paul, over to you. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Who am I? Well, as Amanda said, we've been investing Stoke and crew for about 10 years now, but there was life before that. I've got a background in travel and tourism. And sort of while I was struggling in that side of the business, in the flight business, very, very tough business, small amounts of money that I made, I did invest them in property. But I didn't actually know what I was doing. Back in the day, there was quite a lot of tax incentives and really people bought for capital growth. And managing a property for cash flow and profit was sort of quite low down on my list. So I did that for a few years and it was quite a simple strategy of moving into a home moving on to a different part of the area and then renting out that home and taking a little bit of equity. Quite honest, I can't even remember where there was a buy-to-let mortgage uh, mm-hmm. at the time. I think it was, actually, I don't think it was buy-to-let mortgage. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that. As time went on, it became more and more interesting. I thought it was high time on the back of things changing in the travel sector, like it is now in actual fact. Maybe I take this property thing seriously. So I thought I'd invest in a course that Amanda and I went along to a well-known training company about 11 or so years ago and took the plunge. And in one honesty, never looked back since. Um, we decided on our investing area of Stoke and Crew, very welcoming. Stoke came first, quite easy. The properties were affordable. The numbers worked. Crew came after that, slightly different market. And then the business took off and we're still here to tell the tale. Good stuff. Okay, so for those of you that I haven't met before, I haven't spoken to before, my investing career, so to speak, started a little bit differently. I bought my first property when I was 25 in London and I had a change in circumstances with my job at the time. And I'd known Paul for many years and he suggested that I read a number of different personal development books in my early 20s. And one particular book that he recommended was the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, which I'm sure a number of you listening have read also. And it was definitely a game changer, changed the way that I thought about being employed versus running a business versus investing. So like Paul said, we've done a number of different training courses. 
and got to work. And effectively, we're celebrating our sort of 10th year of investing in Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle, under Lyme and Crewe this year. And as Paul said, we kind of got busy and, and haven't looked back with that really. So what I thought I'd do for this episode is to take you on a whistle-stop tour through our investing history in the area, give you a few nuggets of information along the way. And then I think for some future episodes, we can uh, talk to you in a little bit more detail about some of the highs and lows and everything in between that goes to investing here. So we kicked off, I mean, the very first deal that Paul and I did was actually a student HMO. Well, we didn't know it was a student HMO at the time. No. (laughs) We found a a property. It was actually the first one that we bought in Stoke-on-Trent. We thought, we'll start off a little bit more complex. So it was an auction property and we were going to do a pre-auction purchase. So the purchase was a BJB auction via BJB auction. We exchanged, as you probably know, to avoid it going through the auction, you have to exchange prior. So just to make it a little bit exciting, the auction started at 6.30 and we exchanged at 5.30. (laughs) We were excited about that and we exchanged on our first property, completed a couple of weeks later and then pretty much started the work. The reason why this one stands out is it was supposed to be a normal buy-to-let, and it was on a typical terrace street in Stoke, and we had no thoughts about renting to students at all. It was going to be a straightforward buy-to-let, and we bought it for 50000 We spent about £7,500 doing it up, and as we were trained, we were waiting for the revaluation, excited a few months later, it was renting at the time, and the valuation came back at 50000 <laughs> And not the 75000 that we had forecasted and planned. And that was probably our first lesson in terms of double-checking our comparables. We were comparing apples and pears. We, there was a road about two streets away, two or three streets away, but it was purely residential. It wasn't a student road. And as such, the surveyor said, no, mate, 50 grand all day, every day. <laughs> Uh, luckily, we, we we sold that some years later, probably about seven years later, and, and made a very nice profit. The area was uplifted by a number of investors from the south investing in that particular student area. But in the meanwhile, it cash flowed about £350 a month. Our local agent said rented out to students, and we netted about £350 a month. So all in all, it wasn't a bad deal at all for our first deal. Absolutely. And then deal number two, which was a flip, And I absolutely love this deal, although I did go to sleep most nights with my fingers crossed and my toes crossed, hoping that the property would sell. But what we now have is a strategy to ensure that they sell. Would you agree with that, Paul? Absolutely. So run through a little bit about Fairfield Avenue, Dresden ST3. I'll never forget that address. I'll never forget that postcode. I remember looking at the property when it was marketed for sale in the newspaper it was that many years ago, and cutting it out and sticking it out on the wall and hoping and praying that this property sold for a profit. But just give us a run through in terms of when we found that property and some highs and lows along the way with Flip Dresden. Well, the, the interesting thing, we found the property, but a couple of agents that we had sort of developed a relationship with said flips don't work in Stoke-on-Trent, yeah. especially during this recessionary period which was a little bit scary because we saw this as a flip. But of course, one of the things you have to remember is that while agents are great, they haven't gone through the same level of training that we have. And it was a bit of a no-brainer. It was from memory on the market for about 90,000, 
the house next door but one sold six months ago for 130 something thousand yeah i was never fantastic at maths but by my calculation i think there was a profit in there so we took on the property and one of the first things when we stripped it out, we took the carpet up in the lounge and we found a pool of blood. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, it was a probate property. Uh, welcome to Stoke. <laughs> I think it was just one of those unfortunate incidents where someone had died, but we, we gutted it. We did a knock through into the outhouse yes. to extend the kitchen. And it was in the depth of winter. I remember we had to change the roof, which is funny. We've never changed the roof since that was the first only time we've actually put a new roof on a property and we had to wait because it was a bit snowy and icy bonnie when we finished it we put it on the market for something like 135 and we decided to have some viewings the first person that walked in a young couple liked it came back about four or five weeks later and so they wanted a second viewing. And those four or five weeks, remember, right? They were like the <laughs> longest four or five weeks ever. Because it was winter, it was probably a January, so there wasn't a great deal of footfall. But when there was, remember we used to pop back to the um, house and give a bit of a wipe yeah. down because people were coming in their, in their muddy shoes and stuff. Was it to smell nice? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We learned a lot from that. But they came back and they put her off for a couple of £3,000 below asking, which we accepted and that was our first flip i remember i can't remember what i told you this there was a pylon sort of in the background which i didn't notice on the initial viewing and when we tried to get a mortgage from it i then noticed this huge pylon <laughs> not quite in the back garden but there as a pretty unattractive backdrop i started to panic and think i wonder if the surveyor's going to say that my have to down value this my, yeah. maybe it's not worth what you're paying for it but it was totally fine it was totally fine i was panicking over over nothing, but that was our that was our first flip, and we've done a bunch of flips since, which yeah. have all done very very well. I'm glad to say. And I think that gave us the confidence, didn't it, to go on and do more because it wasn't just the estate agents that told us you can't flip houses in Stoke. Lots of people were saying, seriously, Stoke on Trent, you're gonna you're gonna buy and sell houses, but we just decided to not listen to that and to crack on with it. And as Paul said, we have done a number and we've sort of fell in love with um, a few semi-rural places in and around Stoke-on-Trent where we bought and sold a few cottage-style properties and even some what appear to be regular terrace houses that we put ensuite bathrooms on and, and really made them look the part and went on to sell. So that was a strategy and still firmly remains a core strategy for us in our property business. So we've gone through, well, effectively buy to let, but was going to be buy to let then ended up a sort of a mini mo, as some would say. Then we went on to flips. Then we went on to build up the buy to let portfolio and really strengthen our sort of base of, of the portfolio. And that was initially in Stoke. And I remember Paul having a conversation with somebody this must have been, I don't know, 2012, around that time. And they said, you seem to be doing a good amount of stuff in Stoke. Have you had a look at Crew? And me being, you know, a southerner from London was thinking, where's Crew? Uh, Paul said, look, it's only like 12 miles up the road. Why don't we take a look? So we did. And we found an entirely different market, albeit not too different, but a different dynamic. So we did some buy-to-lets in Stoke. We then did some buy-to-lets up in Crew, And then whilst we were in and around Crew, 
we noticed the demand and good property layouts and sizes and so on for some HMOs. But we didn't do our first HMO in Crewe, did we, Paul? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. I wish we had. <laughs> we, uh, we, our first HMO was, we had the brainwave of doing it in an area called Chesterton. Which is so not an HMO which area. Is so not an HMO <laughs> area. And we managed to get three tenants in. <laughs> and which was hard work. So that was sort of the first red flag. And then we had a visit from a wonderful housing standards officer. And he said, great, nice property. Here's a list of things you have to do. Mm. You know, new windows, new stud wall, da, 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 da. So I thought we've already spent some money to refurbish it, to spend another, what looked like about three or 4,000 pounds. Do you know what? This one's going back to a buy to let. And then we thought we'd better do some more homework. And then we went to, um, where did we go? Kitchgrove. Kitchgrove, yeah. And we thought... That was our next brainwave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Near the station, just off the high street. So we converted it into a, 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 what we thought was going to be a five-bedroom H- HMO. It all looked absolutely fine. And we were approached by a charity who loved yeah. it, wanted to take it on, put a bunch of youngsters in. We thought, fine, guaranteed rental, you know, paying by the room. That lasted for about four months because yeah. they were supposed to visit. Remember, they were supposed to visit. Yeah. You had all these young young lads who were not working at the time. They were supposed to be looked after by this charity. And I think they must have had their funding cut. So the visits just reduced and reduced. Yes. And there were pets in there. The neighbours were complaining. And it was just something else. So that one got reverted back to... <laughs> You're kind of picking up on the trend (laughs) here that the first deals aren't always your best deals that you can share. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we were keen and we were eager and we were willing to learn. And then we found something in crew. And remember this one in particular, because the agent, two agents specifically said, do not buy in this area. I said, okay, I hear you. I respect what agents say, but I wanted to see for myself. So remember I said to you that we found this out. It's an ex-local authority. It's close to the station. There's a few housing association houses around there. But because it's a local authority, it's a really big house. Yeah. We'll make a great HMO. So we converted that. We thought, you know, third time lucky. <laughs> so, so we converted that. And then we had a problem with the builder. Remember we had a problem with the builder? Oh, gosh. <laughs> we, we sent a builder some money. And then the next day I tried to get hold of him. I got an international ringtone and he was in Tenerife. So that was my first experience of builders in crew. Needless to say, they didn't get a huge amount better from there. <laughs> but there we go. We called the police on him, didn't we? We did call the police. <laughs> Give me my money back! But look, um, that's just, yeah. that's just what happens when you're yeah. first starting out, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, we learned from there. But the, he finished the job. The job was finished. Yeah. We had tenants moving, five tenants moving straight away. And it was wonderful. Cash yeah. flow was great. And I thought, this works. Yes. The area was fine. We had actually checked out the area ourselves on the back of what? Those agents said, we went up at the weekend, we draw around. I'm evening, driving around at night, looking you know, what's going just on. Sure, and he, oh, said, this place looks fine. Yeah. Know? And the attraction was just walking distance, about five minute walk from the train station. So we went ahead and, you know, what we picked that up at probably about 55,000. It was, it was, it was 55 because if you remember, we got outbid. Yeah. And the sale fell through. Yeah. And then a few months later, we got that call from the estate agent saying, Do you remember this property? And we're thinking, Barely. Well, you can have it if you want. Great. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. And then we actually then went on to buy another three further right. properties on that same That's right. road. That's right. And I've got some really interesting stories, which I'll probably put in another episode where, do you remember the house with the snake and the dogs? Oh, God. 
<laughs> where I literally felt quite sick after yeah. entering that one. Yeah. And then do you remember the Scottish guy opposite? Yeah, lovely guy. With the talking parrot. Yeah. <laughs> so we really have got a number of uh, experience, should we say, up our sleeve ready to share with you on future episodes. But again, this is just a whistle-stop tour to give you an idea of what we've been up to. So that deal for me and for you as well, Paul, no doubt, sort of gave us that a solid, not just experience, but confidence that, okay, HMO's working crew, and generally they work all over crew. So we then went on to rapidly just start collecting as, as many as we can. As I say, three on the same road. We picked up that for 55. I was doing some comparables a little while ago on that road, and they've sold as high as 140. 142 Amazing. on that Amazing. road now. Amazing. So, you know, the equity is there, even though a lot of my southern property investors said to me, you know, there's no equity growth in in the north. And I said, well, we're not really buying for uh, equity growth. We're buying for cash flow. But the reality is, if we buy well, and that's one of our phrases, we must always buy well, we will get the growth over time. And we're in it for the long haul, aren't we? Totally. Yeah. We're in it for the long haul. Yeah. So what happened after... The crew HMOs, I guess we started with when you didn't need a license for an HMO. Yeah, yeah. Well, the HMOs that we were doing were unlicensable. So we collected lots of four and five beds, avoided the three stories because we just had that, not necessarily a fear, but we thought if we stay away from three stories, we don't have to worry about licensing. And then if you remember our first, what we'd say, big HMO, for us big was licensable. It was three stories. It was seven bedrooms, seven en suites. And we picked up an old derelict building, which had one lovely lady living in there inside what we converted to a seven bed. It was a big house and she was just rattling around in there. We picked that up for 82,000, got it revalued at 172. Great deal. I found that one, didn't I? I'm not sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did. I think you negotiated. I remember the agent saying, you know, she'll take 82. And we would say, nope, 80. We're not adding that extra 2,000. We are in this deal for 80. But they bent her arm. We agreed at 82 or 82 and a half. I can't remember. But again, still sits in the portfolio. So that then gave us the confidence. And you can see the trend here. We're just starting small and slowly building, getting things wrong in the beginning, learning from our experience and so on. Then went into the licensed HMOs. Again, we were still doing flips along the way. And then we started sourcing it. And didn't we? We did. We, we started sourcing quite early on. A few on. people, and then we wanted to source a few deals for them as well. So we started that. I think. And lease oh, options. We did a few lease, lease options. options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the sourcing I remember because we were very particular about what we sourced. We would only source property that we would buy ourselves. Yeah. So the reason we didn't buy them is because we either ran out of money or they didn't suit our strategy at the time. I just remember one particular property we sourced in Stoke. I love the people that source from us, but some of them can be a little <laughs> bit picky. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> And he complained, he complained, he complained. And we gave him, he bought it at something like 40,000, 42,000, something like that. And we said the revalue will probably be about 75. And he had a revalue of 85, got all his money out, plus a couple of grand. And he's still complaining. (laughs) He's still complaining. But on the flip side, we've got some lovely clients as well. I remember we had a client, we were about two weeks into his refurbishment and so he he bought the property and this was in Stoke as well we were organizing his refurb about two weeks into the refurb Paul gives him a call and says look we're gonna have to stop the refurb we're pulling the builders off site at which point the sourcing client was no doubt having you know heart palpitations and he said well why do you have to do that 
And I said, I've just found £5,000 of a local authority grant funding. The council are going to effectively give you £5,000 to finish your refurb, but we need to stop. We need to let them come round, do a schedule of works, and then we can continue. But effectively, we've just got £5,000 for free. And do you remember, he was so sceptical about buying stove because he couldn't get all his money out. And I, I remember he approached us and he said he had about £250,000 in the bank. He was buying this little property on Frank Street, do you remember? And it was like a £55,000 purchase. Yeah. He was leaving about six grand in and he was grumbling. <laughs> I said, we grumbling for? You got a quarter million pounds in the bank. What are you grumbling for? <laughs> and then, ironically, we got a grant for £5,000. Yeah. And he pretty much had a money in, money out deal. Here's the thing. If you think that that was, I don't know, eight years ago or so, even when we just renovated a property before Christmas, we still got £5,000 grant from the local authority. Lovely. It's like we don't do a refurb without the council giving us some money. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> to be fair, I mean, we chose Stoke. I mean, the council are great, agents are great, you know, tenants are great. I mean, it's a great little Well, not too sure, but... Well, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we do get some dodgy tenants sometimes. But all in all, I think they're okay. No, we, we've had a good run for sure. So I'm just trying to think in terms of other stuff that we've experienced along the way. So we've done social housing in a number of different guises. So we've had some disasters where we've just basically been given tenants that were supposed to be managed that weren't, and it was a disaster. We've then gone the other way where we've had some fantastic leases from charities and organisations who have literally taken the property off of our hands, great rental, uh, you know, full lease, which is obviously what we're we're looking for. We've probably had a few different types of bits in between. I know we've done some stuff on the asylum seeking side, people that have different types of needs, vulnerables. We've even gone into the temporary housing space. Do you know what? You know, as as you mentioned, all those different strategies, I think that's testament to stoke and crew to an extent of how diverse it is in terms of an investment area and people have always asked us why have we not left that area we said why should we yeah there's so much business here there's so much diversity of strategy and particular things that you can do with the property the opportunities here yeah and that's why we're still here and i think that's one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast because we want to share that you know, we love when people come to stock investing stuff. Some people are a bit worried about it because, oh, you get to have some competition, stuff like that. No, we've never really been like we're, we're all about abundance. There's business, enough business for everybody. Absolutely. Certainly enough terrace houses yeah, for, every, for, sure. for, for yeah. everyone there. And what we're also going to be doing on the podcast is we're going to be inviting in uh, or on those people that we've met along the way. So we will be inviting in social housing companies, people that are doing social housing deals in the area, letting agents and estate agents for them to give you a feel for the local market. Perhaps we'll get the odd builder or two on. That would be great. You know, I've got a love-hate relationship with builders. I I, I love them when they're finished. I hate them when they're working. But they are necessary. They're a very, very important part of the whole development and finding good builders. We found some great builders along the way and we found some absolute (laughs) (laughs) cutters. But, you know, we'll get them on and we'll ask them to just reveal a little bit of their tricks of the trade. I know that we have a lot of overseas joint venture partners and people that source from us and have tremendous problems with builders. 
I think we have got builders where we want them in terms of that relationship and we've yeah. never been burnt. So there's probably a, quite a bit to learn from them. If we can get a couple on, that would be absolutely yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. And then just in terms of closing, in terms of where we're at now and what Stoke & Crew has to offer, I guess, the more experienced investor. So we started to look at commercial buildings and there is an abundance of commercial buildings, particularly in Stoke, less so in Crew, although there are still some. And the opportunities for conversion is huge. So we looked at that. We did a few commercial to residential conversions. And that's sort of a core strategy for us going forward, as well as the service to accommodation market, which is a strategy and something that I love. I think back in my travel days, I've always loved the, the service accommodation and hotel type model. So that's also something that we're that we're doing and looking at in the area. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that as well. I think what would be great if we had someone come on the podcast from HS2. Oh my goodness. I mean, yes. what the hell is happening with HS2? <laughs> is it on? Is it off? Is yeah. it going to the west towards Manchester or is it going to the east towards Leeds? I mean, what is going on with HS2? I know. Leave that to me. I'll see if I can work my That'd be great. Work my magic. Because but there's a bunch of our, our partners and our clients that we manage their properties for that have invested speed on the back of HS2. I know. In crew. Which we and, thought was quite a waiting. bold move. Yeah, they're waiting. I mean, I think I think we should get a train line by 2050. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it really depends. But it'd be great to get someone out from HS2. So we're going to have what? Someone from HS2. We have someone from the council. Yeah. I think it would be great as well. We should get some tenants on. Yes. We should get some tenants on and ask them what makes a good HMO or what do they want from their landlords. Wouldn't that be great? That would be great. We certainly got a few of those as well. (laughs) Yeah. So we can see who wants to come on and have a chat with us. I'm also thinking sort of surveyors, you know, pick all the little things that can go wrong when you're investing in Stoke that are local that the surveyors know about. Maybe we'll even get try and get a valuer. So yeah. we've we've got a bit of work to do in terms of bringing the guests for you. That's effectively what we want to do. What about from planning? What about from planning department? Do they'll come up? If you can get planning to answer the phone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But they're busy. They're busy working from home and all that. They're busy. <laughs> so we see if we can get someone from the planning team. But the objective of the podcast effectively is to share with you our experience so you can then use that in your business. Whether you're based UK or overseas, we've got a lot of international investors whose properties we manage in the management company, and they can sometimes feel a little bit detached from the area. So hopefully we can serve them and make them feel a little bit more included. And I like to think that even if you're not investing in these areas, some of the information that we're sharing, especially the guests that are coming on, you can transfer that information to your areas. I've got to stop you there. You mentioned our international clients that we manage property for. Yes. Didn't we like receive an email the other day and someone who wanted to put CCTV on so they can monitor their property from Singapore or something? <laughs> Look, that's uh, what technology is there for, isn't it? Is that over the top of thing or <laughs> if that's okay? We'll have to ask the tenants. Okay, fine. We'll have to ask the tenants. I'm not too sure about that. So that's really the, the idea for the podcast. And it will evolve, as I say, it's episode one um, and we're kicking off and it will evolve over time. And I guess what we would really love is that for you that are listening to contact us with some feedback in terms of what you want to hear. And no doubt we can try to tailor make what we're sharing based on what the listeners actually want to listen to. So we hope that you enjoy the podcast. We hope that you share it with people that you think it will be relevant to. Please subscribe so you're alerted to any new episodes as and when they come out. 
And look, this first episode is just to give you a brief introduction to who we are, let you know a little bit about what's going to happen going forward. We're going to cover big picture stuff, as well as some of the micro reality of owning property, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, and a little bit of ugly in between. So we look forward to sharing our knowledge and experience with you. Any last words from you, Paul? When's the next one? Is it going to be the first of the month, every month? Oh, uh, you're putting it on me there. I think about that. Let's work on the base. It's going to be the first of the month. Okay, fine. Let's yeah. go with that for now. But if throughout the month we get a little bit of inspiration, then we might pop out some a little bit more frequently than that. We'll see how it goes. Great. All right, guys. Until next time, look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.